you can't scale your store unless you've got a, a reliable engine of growth. Um, and, and that means, you know, a, a, a marketing channels that basically are, are net positive return investment where you can put money in and get more than that in sales out. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SyncSpider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Ops podcast. And today I have a great guest knowing a lot about analytics. His name is Edward and from Little Data. Hey, Edward, nice to meet you. Great to have you here. Hi, Noah. Great to, have, great to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, let me start right away. How did you first get into e-commerce? Uh, yeah, so I uh, got into e-commerce about six years ago. Um, I was working as a product consultant in London and uh, started working with some large e-commerce brands, um, people like Made.com, um, Fig Leaves. And, uh, and I, I sort of saw they had this common problem where they, they were quite big data-driven companies. They wanted to be data-driven. Mm-hmm. And they had a really hard time just setting up all of the analytics and the tracking to actually understand how customers were flowing through their website. Um, and I see this as like a, one of the basic operational problems of e-commerce that in a, if you're running like a set of uh, retail stores, uh, you know, you could just wander in those stores and get a pretty good idea for footfall and which products people are interested in and which one, you know, whether the till's working correctly. Um, but, it, but in an e-commerce store, that stuff is not obvious, particularly the kind of browsing behavior. And, uh, and therefore, you need these sort of analytics set up to give you those basic eyes on your business. Okay, and, and this is why you founded Little Ada? To exactly, bring... yeah. So yeah. we sort of saw there was, a, I guess, a solution. You know, we, we could do all this manual setup for the big boys. They have, you know, could spend hundreds of thousands a year on, on, um, on implementing the stuff manually. But what we realized the opportunity was, was take all that learning and actually build an automated SaaS product uh, that a store could just install and self-serve and get all of the same um, great tracking of, of their customer journey uh, without having to do any coding and without having to you know hire any consultant to you know figure out how it all works. Mm-hmm. And um, the SaaS product that you have, so you're connecting to a Shopify store. Yeah, um, so we we uh, work mainly with Shopify stores. Um, it's a Shopify app, so the. Uh, the store owner or the store manager would um, yeah, add the app to their storefront. Uh, that then applies a tracking script to their to their store, and it also hooks into all of the data coming through Shopify service. So all of their like checkouts, orders, refunds, um, anything that's happening to the customers, we we log and send on to either Google Analytics or Segment. So our product is a is a data pipeline. It, it makes your your tracking more reliable and gives you 100% collection of your orders. We're, we're not a reporting tool. Uh, we believe that Google Analytics really does a good job of that. And if you don't like Google Analytics, there are also dozens of other products out there that like Data Studio or Tableau that plug into that data and you can build reports in. 
And um, <clears throat> and and so you connect in the store and analytics. And I've seen on the website you also connect uh, Facebook and and all this kind of yep. stuff. So you can analyze where the traffic comes from, how the behavior behavior of the customer on the website is, yep. um, how the purchase rates are. What can I learn from all that? What what is what is important for me as a shop owner? What can I learn? How do I need to? Um, interpret the data so that 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 I know what to fix or make better yeah well there's there's, there's a number of things I mean the first thing is just understanding you know basically attribution of your orders to the marketing campaign so understanding um, which campaigns actually bring you um, you know revenue first of all because it's not you know there's some campaigns may bring you people who visit but just don't buy um, but also which campaigns bring you loyal customers that, that don't return stuff that come back and buy again. So basically, which one bring you the highest lifetime value of the customer? Um, and, and one of the unique things we do is to sort of allow you to link uh, multiple orders, subsequent orders and recurring orders back to the original campaign. So you can look at mm-hmm. you know, uh, this, this sort of lifetime value over a few months. Um, obviously, the next thing you don't want to do is, is then optimize uh, marketing campaigns based on return investments. So you know, if you're spending um, $500 on this Facebook ad campaign, but only brings you these sort of you know, low-value customers, then you may want to kill that and redeploy the spend to maybe an affiliate bringing you these high-value customers. Um, or you might, and, and this is often true because uh, for, to take Facebook as an example, their, their own um, attribution of, of the campaigns is often over-generous to be, <laughs> to be understated. Um, maybe even fraudulent. So they, they, they actually just don't want to tell you straight which spend actually bought you customers um, because they're worried you would drop your spending if you, if you knew the drill tree. So I think it's really important to question those numbers and to actually, you know, feedback from the, the source of truth you know is that Shopify, you know, there were a certain number of sales. You know that much. What you need to know is from those sales, work backwards, where do they come from? Um, and uh, all of the marketing platforms, by the way, Facebook's not alone in this, they're all going to claim like, um, you know, 10, 10 times what they actually bought you. And so if you add up all of their claims, it'll add up to be 10x your real sales. So what you need is a, is a sensible sort of attribution model that says, okay, well, look, we're doing a mix of marketing. Some of these customers came from a range of campaigns, so we'll share that, uh, share the credit for that with a number of our, of our channels. But um, but overall, we want to understand you know, which which campaigns we can cut and which ones we can reallocate the budget to. The thing is, <clears throat> I know a lot of different dashboards and uh, marketing panels and things like Mixpanel and Google Analytics and all this kind of stuff that are aggregating data. And, and you have a huge dashboard with a lot of information. And typically, yeah. the shop owners are completely overwhelmed with all the information. They have everything they need, yeah. but they do not know how to look at. How do you solve that problem for your customers? Well, um, we, I guess, to answer that in two ways. I mean, we, we, we do provide some sort of educational videos of examples of this kind of stuff you might want to build reports for. So um, how to build lifetime value reports, how to look at some product click-through rates and um, check out completion funnels and so on. Um, but I think the important point is that we don't, so our view is that you don't need another dashboard. You just need accurate data in the dashboard you're given. So a lot of the other products will say, hey, Google Ads doesn't work. You know, it, of course it works. It's, it's a very reliable product built by Google, but you need to set it up correctly. It needs to have the right inputs. Otherwise, you can't possibly draw the correct conclusions. 
So my worldview is that you don't need to rip out of all the stuff you've got. You don't need to just uh, launch and add another dashboard to your to your suite. That's just com- confusing. All you need is the ability to uh, just link the, the data that you already have on Shopify with the spend and marketing campaign data that you're already sending mm-hmm. to Google Analytics. Um, awesome. So I, I think it's for a lot of stores, it's just a simple fix rather than a kind of, you know, rip it out and start again job. Cool. And um, your enterprise plan focuses on, uh, as, as it's seen on the website, scaling your store faster, amongst other things. Mm. Um, how important are analytics to scaling uh, the sales properly? Well, hugely, because um, you know you, you can't scale your store unless you've got a, a reliable engine of growth, um, and and that means you know a, a, a marketing channels that basically are, are net positive return investment where you can put money in and get more than that in sales out. And if you have that, then then you know in the in the current world, it's quite possible to to raise finance your business to you know to, to grow it. Um, any any financier can see that you know if you if you can prove that you know if you could 10x your your spend on this channel and, and you get 10 times sales, that's a that's a sensible investment. Um, so that that's that's the problem is if you can't prove that or you don't have reliable data to show it, then then it's hard to grow. Um, I think also you know the best stores that we see, the kind of brands you know the larger brands we work with, and I I, I mentioned Made.com at the beginning. And, they're quite popular amongst uh, your European audience, so probably worth uh, talking about. But you know, if I looked at that kind of progress, uh, I, I was sort of um, you know working for them for, for sort of four years through a boost growth phase, and and a lot of it is just um, lots of small tweaks and improvements. It's not like there's not one thing probably wrong with your storefront that's causing people not to purchase. There's probably lots of little bits and along the shopping behavior funnel that you can tweak. Whether it's adding more shipping options at the checkout, or, or um, maybe it's just changing the sort of some of your listing pages, or changing the you know the the the, the way the order which you, you know, list the landing page and navigation. There's lots there's lots of little tweaks you can make, and again, without all the simple uh, the, the sort of customer behavioural data, which those changes cause people to buy, then it's really hard to to you know to know which ones work, where mm-hmm. to focus. And you have seen a lot of different analytics data already, I assume. So, uh, especially as you have been a strategy analysis um, with the background, uh, coming from that background. Um, so, um, as seen so many different stores and analytics data, are there any quick wins that you can um, recommend um, right away to any store owner? I think it's hard to be general, but I, I, we have a, another product uh, a, a freely available to all of all of our customers, which is a benchmarking tool. So um, we we have um, data for about twenty five thousand stores across the world that wow. we measure. So for a given set, not little analytics anymore. <laughs> well, it's little data because we we there's only a few data points we can get to. So for example, let's say you want to. Uh, you think there's something wrong with your your checkout uh, completion rate. You think the, the first thing you really want to know is is it is this normal? You know, do most people in my? Because obviously it varies very very much by um, industry sector and also uh, kind of average order value. You know, obviously people with uh, luxury goods um, are probably going to drop out a lot more, a lot more drop out from the checkout than people with very small order value. So 
Um, what you can do a little later is you can select a, a category, uh, an industry category, and say, look, I want benchmark against um, shoe retailers, you know, an average order value of 100 euros, let's say. Um, and then I want to see whether my checkout completion is, is uh, you know, where that falls. Are we, are we bang in the median? Are we bottom quartile, top quartile? And then you can have a think about whether it's worth trying to improve it. Because if, if you're in the top quartile already, then probably... Uh, you should focus on something else. It's unlikely that you're going to make um, big, big impact there. But if you're in the bottom quartile compared with similar kinds of retailers, then yeah, you you, you really need to focus on that and, and look at all of the you know take it apart bit by bit. You know, is it the payment options we're giving people? Is it the uh, just the actual completing the form which is difficult for them? Is it a language issue? Are we you know do we need to translate it? There could be lots of elements that are going wrong. Um, I think the only generalist bit of advice I would give is that I think most people, particularly um, e-commerce managers from more of a kind of marketing background, tend to be obsessed way too much on the, um, what I would call like the kind of landing page experience, the kind of home page experience, and not think enough about the kind of mechanics of how people flow through from there to actually price them. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the easier wins are, are lower down the funnel where you, you know, people already want to purchase, they're just being blocked for some reason. So that, that the landing pages are <clears throat> a bit overhyped. Layout the landing pages often, or, yeah. or layout the home page typically is often fairly. Uh, you know, in a world in which most sites get a lot of their traffic through uh, deep links and and so sort of Google search and so on, there's likely to be other kind of other pathways you should optimize for other other ways we define. Mm-hmm. What is a what is a good and what is a bad um, dropout rate from the checkout? And you, so as soon as I, I said that, um, honestly, I can't remember. I, 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 I think. Um, hang on, let, let's. Uh, I'll pull up the uh, the data while we talk, so I'm not talking off of my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem. I, I'm asking something different in between. Um, yeah. uh, when <clears throat> so when <clears throat> should I start um, as a as a shop owner to implement something like this, some 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 dashboard like this? Well, when is the best starting point for me? Yeah, well, I mean, I I would say start at the beginning. So our, our, our sort of lowest tier is, is $99 a month, which I realize yeah. is, you know, a fairly large spend for a thing. But I would put it in the context that that is still way less than the cost of sort of even paying the smallest uh, agency a freelance or retainer. Um, the, the, the reason it's important to start gathering data earlier is that often, it, particularly for a smaller store, it can take months to sort of have enough traffic and transactions to really see patterns. Um, and unfortunately, when you come to that point in a few months or even years' time where you go, hey, now we want to really dive into this and see what we can change, that's too late. If you haven't, if you haven't tracked it right the first time, you can't go back <laughs> and gather information on those customers. Um, okay. But I think, uh, I think the, other, the other fallacy is particularly if you're going to uh, switch platform. Uh, I know this happens you know, a lot in e-commerce where people are like, okay, they're, they're, they're on the end of the road with one e-commerce platform. And you know, we've seen a lot of people switching to Shopify the last few years. Maybe we'll see that change and people will you know, another platform, big commerce or something become more popular. But I think, um, again, another fallacy I hear is that, okay, well, let's, put in the, let's think about the analytics after we build this. Let's worry about that at the end of the process. But I, again, I always think it's a mistake because you really want to compare before and after you want to understand whether your new platform is actually working as well as the old one, because often it doesn't. 
Um, and people spend way too long to recognise this. Uh, we had this working with um, Fig Leaves in the UK, a, a, a large underwear retailer where they re-platformed to um, Salesforce Commerce. And it took them a long time, you know, maybe a, over a year to kind of actually get the site back to the performance of the, of the previous one. And if they'd had better tracking, you know, it, <laughs> at the start, I think they, they would have... Um, they would have they would be able to spot that stuff and not waste yeah. you know a year of sales so even when when you when you're already scaled and and or under the scaling process and you change something you always should take care that the tracking is in place yeah. uh, at a very early off. stage other than yeah. that you can even lose money if you don't have the right data right yep people often mm. assume that all changes are positive particularly re-platforming. And my experience is that's not always true. It's quite possible to go backwards in terms of performance. <laughs> and you really want to be able to, you know, un in an unbiased way, because by the way, if you're paying a digital agency to actually do the transformation for you, obviously they have a vested interest in telling you that it's all going well. <laughs> yeah. Right? So you really want to have like unbiased data about, okay, but it, if I if I spend the same amount of money acquiring the same amount of customers, are, the same num are they paying the same amount? You know, they're buying the same amount of stuff. Do you have a lot of agencies recommending uh, little data to their clients or working yeah, with little so data? We, uh, yeah, we we have sort of mixed up. I mean, sometimes the agencies kind of want to use it for themselves because it actually saves them a bunch of time in, in setting up the analytics. Um, sometimes it's recommended to customers because they know it's just a you know when when they're going to get easier set up. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and we have some more specialist kind of analytics agencies that start to use our products as the basis of their dashboard. So, you know, if they know that we're tracking all the right stuff, then it's much easier for them to build. As you say, you know, I recognize that for a lot of stores, just what to track might be a difficult thing. And, and so you might want to work with a, uh, a kind of analytics agency to, to bottom that out. But at least you don't have to spend a load of money just paying them to set up the tracking. Mm -hmm. Cool. How do you manage your support? And what do you do that your customers um, have um, a, a, a good experience on your software? Yeah, support's hugely important, especially, you know, as you say, it's quite a technical product and, and people want to, um, yeah, they, they are confused about this topic generally. Um, so we try and have uh, a good, you know, we don't quite have 24-7 support, but we try and have a good sort of uh, global coverage. So uh, we've got a team based from, you know, in America, um, mm -hmm. a lot of customers in North America um, uh, and also in Eastern Europe. So, you know, we, we cover, let's say, some 18 hours a day. Um, And uh, and we've we've tried to build out a lot of um, documentation and guides of how to do some of the simple stuff because obviously a lot of the questions people have when setting it up are, are the same and often they're not um, they're not necessarily questions about our product which works is reasonably set up they're the questions about okay but how will I then use Google Analytics um, and we it, obviously that's not our product and we can't we can't support everyone that wants to use you know use Google Analytics we try and offer as as much. Uh, basic advice we can about you know what are the kind of common reports you want to look mm. at and how would you set up certain types of tracking. Okay, cool. What 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 role, um, if any, does automation and integrations play uh, for your operations? Um, well, I mean, hugely. We we're we're, a, we're an integrator company, so we we try and make sure <laughs> that's what we do for our customers. We try and make sure they're joined up, so equally internally. Um, I mean, I guess we we. You know, we just try, it's a software-led firm, we try and have as little manual process as possible. Yeah. Um, 
Usual for a software company. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's too, you know, that can be a double-edged sword. I mean, um, sometimes you can spend a long time automating something that it could have just been done manually. Yeah. Um, but we found particularly with stuff around kind of payments and processing financial data, it's just, it's, it's, it is easier if it's automated. Uh, I've just spent a lot of time the last month um, kind of building a reconciliation tool to check the actual amounts that we get paid by the customers match what they should be paying for us. Um, and that's proved to find lots of sort of little edge cases with billing that were uh, yeah. awesome. Fully get it. Um, I've seen that you are working on uh, integrations to Magento as well. Um, best time to ask, what will your ops team be focused on the next 12 months? Yeah, so our roadmap, um, we're, we're, the next platform we're going to support is BigCommerce. Um, mm -hmm. uh, again, it's mainly sort of North American user base, um, although probably more popular in Europe. Um, but I, we, we see a lot of, uh, one of the reasons is that our, uh, a lot of our kind of mid-sized merchants and a lot of our partners on, on Shopify are beginning to move to be, big commerce. Um, it offers more flexibility. Shopify has become very, um, very restricted with the checkout. So you, you can't use a third-party checkout. And that means if you're rejected by Stripe as a payment method, you basically can't trade on Shopify. So we have lots of merchants doing things like uh, nutritional supplements, that just simply can't use Shopify checkout. Okay. So, um, so we're supporting them by moving to big commerce. You're right, Magento is on the roadmap, but probably for more like uh, beginning of 2022. Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> now, last question for today: um, Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Good question. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I talked a bit about uh, made.com and, and I think I worked with some really great um, sort of both product manager and, and um, analyst there. And I think that's, that was definitely a great learning experience for me. Um, to be honest, I, I find it fascinating. Yeah, we, we're lucky enough now to work with some really, um, some really big brands trading hundreds of millions of online a year. So I think every time I get on one of those sort of customer discovery calls and I find out a new way that they're handling, you know, a new way they're entering the inventory or they're tracking this or something, I always love that. We soak that up because, as I said, a lot of the what we're trying to do with the app is bring all of this, you know, like the knowledge of what the big guys are doing and make it accessible for the little, for the little guys. Um And so, yeah, I'm constantly trying to learn from our best customers on, on how they... Yeah, that's a good answer. I love that. <clears throat> and always learn from the customers is really a good good thing. So, uh, like that, like that. Thank you. I'll um, come back to you on the checkout completion rate you asked. Yeah, about, this so. is what I wanted to ask. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, so, so, the answer is that the, um, the desktop, um, uh, the checkout completion rate is, is about 50%, is the median. Um so um, if you're doing above 50% checkout, you're doing okay. Um, but, uh, but actually on mobile, it's quite a lot less. So uh, on mobile, typically um, only about 30, uh, sorry, that's the store. So sorry, about, about um, 45%. Um, uh, this was, yeah, from Magento site. So. Yeah, it's it, it does depend on mobile, because obviously mobile is slightly, you know, it's harder to fill in the form. It's harder to, yeah. 
Thank you very much for your time. It really was a pleasure. And uh, I learned a lot of analytics today and uh, getting the data right. So uh, I think that the, the takeouts for the day for the audience really bring your um, your, your data together in, in, in one meaningful uh, manner so that you um, really can uh, make a good... Um, um, uh, good, good strategy for purchasing media, um, behavior of the customers in the store, what brings money, what brings long and existing customers. And uh, yeah, get your checkout over 50%. Thank you very much, Edward. Thanks it was a great much. time. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for EcomOps Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. <laughs>